Welcome to Restless. I'm Father Joseph Gill, along with Diane. You have joined us as we restlessly seek the face of Christ amidst today's crazy and mixed up world. And just a a little announcement beforehand. You know, a lot of people listen to us on all kinds of different platforms. But did you know that we're actually live on the radio every Friday at 12 noon? So a lot of people don't know, tune into, if you're in the, the New York metro area, 103.9 FM or one or 13.50 AM, or if you don't have either of those, you can go on Veritas Catholic Network and download the app so you can listen live to Restless and to all the other shows, like shout out to Tangent with Father, uh, Father Sam Kachuba. If you haven't checked that one out, that's a great show. And our ne- number one most popular show is... Uh, let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Fantastic just discussion with him and his life. Uh, but uh, So yeah, check out all the other shows that are f- featured on Veritas Catholic Network. Listen to us live if you want, if you're free, if you want to do that. But uh, just shout out to all the other shows that, that we're doing. And you know, all of this is a great effort to try to reach out to so many people because... Um, you know, the radio is, is such a big medium that people, especially around here, we sit in traffic a whole lot <laughs> in the uh, the whole area. And so what are you doing when you're sitting in traffic? A lot of times you're listening to the radio. And if you can have the Catholic voice on there, it reaches out to hearts and souls. And and that's kind of our topic today is um, meeting people where they're at. That's kind of like a very popular phrase. I actually kind of hate that phrase because it's a dangling participle at the end. It's meeting people where they are, not where they're at. My mom would be like, that's grammatically incorrect, right? But <laughs> but even more than the grammar of that statement, the question is, where is that? You know, and, and like, where are we meeting people? We talk about meeting people where they're at and trying to lead souls closer to Christ, but where are modern men and women? And, you know, Diane has the great privilege of working with the RCIA group. Now, RCIA, for all you uh, non-Catholic initiates out there, it stands for Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. So it's for adults who are either seeking baptism or confirmation or, or uh, to convert from another religion to be Catholic. How many do you have in your RCA group this year? This year, I have 10 students. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So in past years, this is my third year teaching. I think the first year I had about five, second year five, and this year 10. And I'd, I think seven out of 10 are entering the church. Three just need sort of a their confirmation. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So like, what are, what are some of the reasons that you see that people are, are coming to the church right now? Cause it seems like a lot of people are leaving the church and becoming, you know, no religion or everything. Anything. So it's nice to hear the positive side. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the reasons vary. Uh, I had one person last year, her father got very ill and he ha- was Catholic, didn't practice the faith for his life, didn't bring his kids up in the faith. And his, you know, he had this reversion at the end of the li- at the end of his life. And his dying wish was that his children would enter the church. And, wow. Yeah. And because of, you know, his sort of passion and the children seeing his passion for the faith, um, you know, this person in my class was, uh, you know, it, it, it was an honor for her to uh, to enter the church. And she was just so emotional throughout, you know, because mm. she she did it for her father, but she knew um, she she saw sort of the impact that it had on his life. And she wanted that for herself as well. Oh, cool. Um, I, I would say this year, too. I think a lot of people are brought to RCA because of 
the example of friends who have lived sort of, you know, an authentic faith. So there's one person in particular who his friend, devout Catholic, you know, um, he observed his friend just the the way that he reacted to suffering and loss in his life. And um, the friend who was a devout Catholic attributed it to the faith, you know, his faith in Christ. And so this this guy in my RCIA class, I mean, he was so kind of taken aback by that, you know, because most people um, are not like this this guy had such hope and and joy in the midst of suffering and and he didn't understand that that's not a worldly sort of sentiment or reaction yeah and, definitely mm-hmm. yeah so he he said that he just kind of you know uh, hung around this person a lot and one day he was going for a walk like they decided to go for they were going to go for a walk and um the friend who was catholic said hey you know i'd like to just stop in at this church to go to confession i really need to go and this other guy who's not Catholic, who's in my class, was like, well, I don't know about that. You know, maybe I'll just stay in the parking lot and you can go in. But somehow he he just he decided to go into the lobby. And then once he got into the lobby, he was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go sit in the, in the pews. And he said that a peace just overcame him, a peace that he has never felt before in his life. Mm. And this this guy had gone to Catholic middle school and high school. He had no sort of desire for Jesus or ever thought of converting. And all of a sudden, you know, he had a, he was just experiencing a lot of pain in his own life and and he felt just so secure and safe there. And, you know, that just prompted him to ask more questions and um, learn more about the faith and get into sort of like the biblical stories and all that. And, you know, lo and behold, he's in my RCIA class with the friend who, who uh, accompanied him. So... Yeah, there's lots of lots of stories, I would say. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And and it reminded me of the very famous quote from Tertullian, mm-hmm. which is sometimes translated, the blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians, right? It's really by observing the suffering and, and the suffering joyfully mm-hmm. of the martyrs or even those, you know, who suffer just, you know, ordinary misfortunes of life and seeing how joyfully they, they embrace it. And actually the, the real quote from um, Tertullian, I had to look it up, but I, I really like his quote. He said, you know, we spring up in greater numbers the more we are mown down by you. The blood of Christians is the seed of a new life. Like, like you can't take faith out of the world now that Christ is is in the world. Yeah, yeah, no, that's beautiful. And, and it's totally God's grace that sounds like working in, in miraculous ways to get that peace. Like, that's not something you can orchestrate. No, it's it's not. And, you know, it just shows that God, God is the hound of heaven. He's the one who calls us because this guy was not really searching God out. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a testament to... The fact that God is is constantly seeking us and calling us, and I think you know that grace it just gives you chills, right? But yeah. it also, I mean, just in terms of this friend who accompanied him, it, it shows it's an example to us of what how important it is for us to live our faith well and to proclaim the gospel, you know, to our friends and to be that example. Because I've had a number of people who have come into the church because of the example of the friends, you know, walking with them, just living. living the faith well. I know certainly from spouses a lot of times. Yes. You know, if you've yeah. been going to the mass with your spouse for 20 years or something, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, oh, maybe I really should check this out. And- yeah. Yeah. And there's certainly people in my RCA class who are getting married, you know, and, and so I think marriage is a big impetus for entering the church, you know, and, and maybe it's not a pure motive at first, but the grace of the sacraments, I mean. Um, a lot of times converts are the most fervent ones, you yes. know, because they're choosing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, another another reason um, that people have, have told me is that 
the world is just, it's so confusing now in terms of the... Yeah, getting that a lot, actually. Right? Getting that a lot. And I think it's it's gone so, it's gotten so crazy to the point where you can be whoever you want to be, right? You can identify as whatever you want to identify as. And I think people are seeing that that is, you know, sort of a ridiculous concept. We need right? something to ground us. Right. Something that's true that's not going to be changing. Right, you know? exactly. And the Catholic Church is really the only church that's that's held on to that. And yep, exactly. And that they're like they know that there is objective truth and that what society is telling us that, you know, your truth, my truth, okay, well, it can't be, all be true, right? So they they see sort of the um the weakness in that argument that society is is pushing and they know that, okay, well, that's not true. There is objective truth. So what is truth? And I think people who are open to it, um, I, I like everyone in my RCIA class, you have to be open, obviously, right? You have to have that humility of heart to say, I don't know everything, but I'm open to to, to figuring out what is true. Yeah, that's an important thing. Not know, not assuming you already have all the answers, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of, I, I really think that a lot of our modern uh, brothers and sisters that's one of the big issues is the intellectual pride mm-hmm. of thinking I've, I've, I don't, you know, science will figure out everything and we, we have enough technology who needs God, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. that, that humility of like, no, there's deeper questions. And I really want to explore them. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, God, like I said, he's, he's, he wants the salvation of all of us, but we have to correspond to sort of that grace and that calling. And if we're closed off, you know, he's, he's constantly knocking, but we have to open the door. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I, it was interesting. I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other night and he said, um, there's quite sort of, you know, like we actually hear God through our conscience. Right. So, um, it's interesting. His own journey, I think was very much correlated to understanding. He is so close to being Catholic. So, <laughs> like, so, he's just so take close. That dive, you so know? close. And his wife is. So, right. um, hopefully she can be the example. Yeah, exactly. But he was saying it was, it was really cool that, you know, the, this voice of conscience, right. Um, parallels, he's getting very emotional. He's like, this parallels the story of Christ. Um, just everything that he knows to be true through conscience is what Christ proclaimed and lived. So I think there's that connection too of like really kind of taking a, a deep dive into thinking about like what what is the purpose of life? What what does my conscience tell me? What is the biblical narrative? Right. Um, that of course I think is why the evil one loves smartphones so much. Yeah. Because they distract you from those ultimate questions of what is the meaning of life? As long as you're distracted 24-7, you never sit there and ponder. It's really when you're in silence that those questions may come up or when you're suffering or you know when there's when you know some crisis happens but but it is amazing how god can even shout even through that yeah you know yeah exactly and i mean sometimes it takes you know like for example the girl whose whose father passed away sometimes it takes a big sort of you know tragedy event suffering in order to to really grab our attention yeah we have in my parish we have um three people in RCIA but what's what's kind of been really inspiring to me, we also have two 13-year-old boys who are, who are getting confer- uh, baptized at the Easter Vigil. Okay. And one of them is, you know, that has two parents in the RCIA, so the whole family's converting together. And I, the first meeting with them, I sat down with them and I, you know, talked to the parents. The parents were really enthused. They really wanted to become Catholic. And I turned to the, the boy, Aiden, and I said, well, so Aiden, like, you know, are you doing this because like, your parents want to? Are you doing, you know, are you kind of like dragging your feet? And the mom spoke up and said, no, no, he's the one dragging us here. And he has been. He absolutely has been. He's uh, he's so enthusiastic that he asked to become an altar server. And I'm wow. like, you're not even baptized yet. Wow, that <laughs> so, is beautiful. So we're going to train him to be an altar server even before his baptism, mm-hmm. which is really beautiful. I mean, it's, it is this, yeah, a surprising um, 
just resonance in his heart to to grace. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to watch because that family from from that time when we met back in September, they've been coming to like everything, even the optional things. Like the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God was not a holy day of obligation this yeah. year because it fell on a Monday and they still came. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, these guys are they're taking it seriously. Like mm-hmm. they're going to dive in. They're going to be like all in Catholics, which is, it's cool to see. That's so awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun for me to teach because you see people who are really on fire for Christ, you know, they've, the the flame has been lit in their hearts and, you know, they just can't get enough. Um, so I think just seeing, seeing the way that God is, is moving and working in all of those different people. Um, but yeah, obviously, RCIA, it's it's so much more than that, right? Because we have to prepare. A lot of people are, especially new converts, are very much on fire at the beginning. And um, we really just need to understand that the spiritual life is ups and downs. It's consolations, it's desolations. Yeah. And those, you know, especially those sufferings, those moments when we don't feel God's presence or we don't think that he's listening to our prayers or anything. They're really, um, you know, purifications, opportunities to kind of work on our our love for Christ, of, of loving him for who he is not for what he gives us, not for any sentiment. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, for, for much of my life, I, I uh, was, was, did not confess well. Mm-hmm. But when I went to college, I mean, it was like, you know what? First, first day of college, I want to make a, good, a new start. So I made really a, a general confession okay. and it was really, really tough. And I remember walking out of that thinking, I'm as happy as I can ever be. Lord, take me now. I'm ready to die. I'm at the height of my spiritual life. Yeah. And the Lord's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Let's keep going, you know? So that's right. You know, I'm sure the Easter vigil for a lot of these people is going to be like, wow, this is it. I'm at the height of my spiritual life. And God's like, no, no, no. Yes, you still have a long journey to go, but don't worry. I'll be with you on this journey. Yeah, no, I I really, I think it's it's very important to prepare people for that, you know, because you don't want them to just... Spiritual life is all about perseverance, right? It's all about purification. It's all about continual continual dying to yourself. Right. Such that you're conformed to Christ, such that Christ lives in you and you are no longer, you know, it's not your passions and your will. It's it's Christ's will. It's united. And you know, something you said I think makes me makes me think that it's so applicable to modern men and women is that the heights of holiness is attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, we shouldn't lower the gospel to say, well, you know, God understands if you can't live up to the gospel. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, we do under, you know, God does understand certainly that we're fallen creatures, but, but don't ever lower the standards. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and uh, as sometimes you hear uh, thing, things, I've heard, you know, several things from priests. I'll never forget one time when I was a deacon, um, I was assigned to this particular parish and the other deacon who was a permanent deacon wanted to get to know me. So we went out to lunch together and uh, at the end he urged me to, to order dessert. And I said, no, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm good. And he's like, oh, come on, come on. And I said, you know, I've got, I've got two goals in life. One is to be a saint and one is to be a thin priest. And I don't know which <laughs> one's going to be harder. And he looked at me and kind of like slammed his fist down on the table and said, how arrogant of you. You think that you can become a saint? And I was so taken aback. I was like, well, but it's a universal call to holiness. Like all of us are called to be saints. Yeah. And he's kind of, well, yeah, well, you know, you, you, you know, and he's kind of hemming and hawing. And he was, you know, from an older generation where it's just kind of like, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. And it's just like, you know, status quo. Mm-hmm. But I think holiness is an attractive goal for people because people want goals that are higher than them. They're going to they're strive for. And, this, and being totally conformed to Christ, as you say, and like letting yourself die so Christ can live in you is something that does resonate because people want to challenge. Yeah. You know, they don't want a lukewarm faith. They want something that's going to be passionate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think your point about just uh, the fact that 
I mean, honestly, the biggest tragedy in life is to have not become a saint. Right. Leon to... Bloy. One of my favorite quotes from <laughs> French writer, Leon Bloy. It's, it's yes. beautiful. I mean, that just brings everything into perspective. So one of the things that I really try with my RCIA students, number one is, you know, um, just our sense about modern people and in terms of like ignorance. I find that my the, the people who come into my classroom are just not well catechized, right? So um, either some of them are Catholic, right? And they just haven't received the confirmation. Um, the others, you, you know, many people don't know the story of salvation. Yeah, they, yeah. They really don't. Because all, all, a lot of times all they hear about the gospel is what they get from the Simpsons or Saturday Night Live, like little snippets. Okay, there was like a baby mm-hmm. born and like something happened, like he rose from the dead. But what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? And, right. But to, but what's worse is, is what you said, that society is selling this narrative that there's nothing wrong with you. I'm okay. You're okay. You can do whatever you want, right? But if you are believing that narrative, then you're never going to come to the knowledge of the truth because the whole point is that we're not okay. One sin, <laughs> one sin in the garden separated us from God for all eternity. Right. And if it wasn't for Christ coming to die for our sins, we would have been eternally separated from God. So one sin did that. So, I, I mean, that's something that I try to emphasize to, to the students of, you know, sin causes death, destruction, and chaos. Right. And it's amazing how we have to hold both of those truths in tension, right? That you are loved beyond anything you could ever imagine by the God who created you. And you're so broken and desperately need a savior. Mm-hmm. Both of those are absolutely true. And both of those have to be held together in our hearts. Otherwise, we won't know the gospel. Because if it's only sin, then you know we start to despair and it becomes about rules and, and trying to earn salvation. But if, if it's only about the love piece, then you're like, well... I'm good to go. I can do whatever I want. And God's, you know, there's no, there's no consequences, but yeah. Yeah. So no, both. I, yep, exactly. And I think, you know, one of the things that you said of, of showing that sort of sainthood and uh, living a holy life is attractive. That's something that I really try to emphasize in terms of, um, you know, explaining, especially more difficult teachings like contraception, like uh, sexuality. A lot of these are young adults. So I, I talk about sort of like, you know, how we don't, you know, uh, engage in premarital sex, how chastity is super important. How does that go over? You know what? It's actually very well received because Good. when, uh, but it's it's something that I've had to, to work on in terms of my own just knowledge of what our faith teaches and why, you know, because you you have to proclaim the beauty of of the why. God doesn't have these commandments to be this arbiter, you know, judge, um, just I don't want you to have any fun like you said, everything is for our happiness, right? So sin causes chaos and it causes unhappiness. It causes divide. But following Christ, which is the opposite of sin, right? Living in conformity with his will, his commandments for us, that brings us true joy and true happiness. And if we understand sort of like, for example, marriage of what the purpose of marriage is, how marriage is a sign of Christ being wedded to the church and ultimately us being wedded to Christ in heaven for all eternity, you can live that well and you can understand why, you know, we don't engage in these behaviors before we're married. And that's just one example. Well, I think that's such an important piece is that, you know, it's it's more than just giving people rules. It's it's showing them the beauty mm-hmm. of it. And I have to remember that even as a priest, because there's sometimes, you know, in a homily or in a, in a talk, the temptation is, especially, you know, with my 
confirmation kids who are totally like 100% secular, totally steeped in the world, you know, it's kind of the talk, well, like, you know, let's kind of soften it. Let's, you know, but wait a second. These are beautiful teachings. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're life-giving. They're, they're happiness-giving. So why would I deprive them of that, that happiness? And, and it is amazing how it does resonate. Just uh, yesterday, I was teaching confirmation class, and, you know, we were talking about the sacrament of confession and mm-hmm. different things. And, and uh, you know, some kids asked, well, you know, is it sin to be trans? And, you know, we talked about it and, and I said, you know, look, guys, I mean, it's we, we respect everybody that's struggling with whatever they're struggling with. But the truth is God created two genders, male and female. And there were there were like this, there were a bunch of these boys sitting off in the corner who were like, yeah, right on, right on. <laughs> And I was, you know, the girls were shooting knives out of their eyes, but, yeah. but the boys were like, were, were like, these were boys totally steeped in the world. They're not like, you know, faith filled kids, but they were like, they're waiting for the truth to just like, like starving for, for meat, you know, yeah. like something yeah. they could sink their teeth into. Yeah. I think people are, are generally, at least in my class, they've been very receptive, but they don't understand, you know, God's, for example, in, in marriage, God's original intention for marriage, contraception, sort of, you know, like what even even just what what is a good act what are what are the elements of of what makes a good an act moral and yeah. immoral so but let me ask you a question though because you know certainly when you when you're dealing with your RCIA class you're dealing with people that are there because they want to love the truth and know the truth and know Christ yeah when you're dealing with your secular coworkers at you know your job or you know just you know other you know friends family members who may not have Christ what is the sense do you get the sense that they're open to faith that they're ignorant or that they're hostile I think it's a mix. I think, you know, I do, um, I try to form sort of relationships with my coworkers. They're not deep relationships, but I want to let them know that sort of like I'm there. I care about them, you know, checking in thing on things. I would say um, a lot of people at work, I won't get specific, but a lot of people at work just in general in the secular world are not living lives in conformity with Christ. Um and, and his church. So it becomes uh, a little bit challenging, you know, especially I think there's there's ignorance involved, right? So people have this idea of what the church is and what the church teaches, which is often very false. Um, well, I, I remember that quote from Fulton Sheen who said that, yeah, only a hundred people dislike the church for, for what the church teaches, but tens of thousands of people dislike the church for what they think the church teaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's an ignorance. Yeah. Definitely. Especially if you all, you know, all you hear about the church is what you get from CNN. Unfortunately. And so, yeah. And, and obviously mass media, social media just manipulates words and, and, and whatever. Um, but I think that, you know, some people are ignorant um, some people are just so steeped in, in their lives of sin that they don't want to give it up. And if you don't have a reason to give up your sin, like you have to have, there has to be a deeper love, right? So you're not going to, we all struggle with things, but, um, I think what- oh, Hunger for God. I was uh, one of my closest friends. Uh, I sponsored him for confirmation like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I keep praying for him, but I'm like, Lord, I know when you break through his heart, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. Like there's going to be some sort of suffering that brings him to his knees because otherwise if he go- keeps going along with this. The first step is is openness to faith. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pray for my parishioners that when that storm comes and your your house is shaken by the waves and the wind, well, is it going to stand? I mean, probably not unless it's built on the rock that is Christ. Right. It's it's fleeting. It's temporal. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of something I, I also try to convey to my RCIA students is just this 
the importance of having an eternal mindset because society and our workplaces and everything, our dignity and the, the, the value of the human person is based on, you know, how much you produce, right? And this, the world is telling you you're going to obtain happiness if you go after power, pleasure, wealth, honor, whatever. Um, but I consistently talk about death in my class, which I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a reality. It's but Can't it's avoid it, it. you know, I said at the at the end of your life on your deathbed, nothing is going to matter except having been conformed to Christ, having lived His commandments, and you know, charity, right? And charity in the sense that not love that society preaches of this emotional whatever it's like willing the good of the other and doing everything um with pure intention for love of god so um yeah i think it's it's just really incumbent upon all of us like very important to keep that perspective of heaven is heaven is the most important thing that should be the you know wanting to um you know have this eternal life with God and live with him forever should be driving all of our actions. And quite honestly, like if everything is rightly ordered, that God is our number one, you know, all this other stuff is just extra and it's beautiful and you don't put pressure on relationships or job or any of that stuff because it's You don't just, get your satisfaction from that, yeah. Exactly. So it's just I'm, all extra. I'm reminded of a great quote from St. John of the Cross. I had to look up, but it's uh, one of my favorites. It said, in the evening of life, we'll be judged on love alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and of course, our modern world does see love as a very sentimental thing. But the truth is, if we have loved Christ above all else- right. That's what. That's the only thing that will matter is what we have. What we have loved, because if you've loved things on this earth, then your heart remains on this earth, and your your soul cannot fly up to heaven. Absolutely, and I mean, I talk to my RCIA students a lot as well about the importance of just not not just knowing God and learning facts about the faith and reading the catechism, the scripture. Obviously, that's you know that's your starting point, but the whole of our lives is meant to be that dying to self, right? That chiseling away. So there's always something more. And and that's what I've learned probably the most about myself in this RCA class is, um, you know, like there's some virtue that I can work on. There's some vice to be rooted out. There's more death to self that's needed. Um, that that you're never you're never there. But also just the beauty of the the church and the sacraments and the grace that God gives us, you know, that we know by his merits, we're, we're getting sort of this help that we need in order to, you know, obtain eternal life with him. Yeah. Yeah. So to circle back to that, that original question of like, where are modern men and women? There was uh, a several, you know, kind of a theme in the church Mm -hmm. that maybe 50 years ago, 75 years ago, there was a kind of a succession of Kind of steps to um, to being to being welcomed in the church, and in the steps were behave, believe, belong. Right. So if you behave a certain way and you believe a certain thing, then you will belong in the church. And some people recently writing about you know modern men and women have said that it actually has to be the opposite way around. That they need to belong first, and then they will believe, and then they will behave. So it's kind of like totally flipped around. And you know that's one of the more challenging things is like how do you welcome someone that's that's intrigued about the faith mm-hmm. who's living a lifestyle that's so completely antithetical to the faith? Maybe if they've got questions or maybe they've maybe they just want to be friends with you as a Christian, mm-hmm. but you know their lifestyle is so 
challenging. And I, I even find that challenging with, you know, my friend Patrick, who I spoke with today, because, you know, I, I was joking with him today. I said, well, you know, I thought when you called me today that you were going to tell me that you were engaged. Yeah. You know, because he was living with for five years with this girl. And he's like, oh, no, it's not. It's funny. But it's like trying to try to offer a little dig. Be like, hey, man, you know, it's time. It's yeah. time. But uh and, and you know he you know where you have such a relationship that I can make those digs, but but someone else, I, if you know I've just met them or you know trying to establish a rapport, they might take that <laughs> totally the wrong way. Yeah. It's, so it's like you got you got to unconditionally love them, but at the same time not like affirm everything about their life. You know, it's a challenging line to walk. It's very difficult, and I think that requires a lot of prayer and the Holy Spirit of knowing when to say things and and what to say, because I think I've definitely—obviously, we want people to come to faith in Christ, and, um, you know, you don't always come perfectly in in a white garment, right? Right. But there has to be, like, just—I mean, just recently we're talking about blessings, right? Um, There has to be sort of, like, uh, a desire to— sort of, you know, change things. Yeah, live and according to Christ. Yeah, I mean, I struggle that with that too, though, what you're saying with secular friends, especially I, I have one friend who is an atheist. I mean, she's born, she's baptized Catholic, but doesn't believe, thinks the biblical stories are ridiculous, that, you know, um, Christ's resurrection is just insane, mm. um, insane made-up story. So that's challenging because the very thrust of your life is your faith. And so it's almost like she's disagreeing with your very identity. Yeah. Um, but, but you're disagreeing with her very identity. Right, that's, that's right. Identity. And, and I mean, we do have a great friendship and I try to talk to her about things, uh, you know, for example, just premarital sex fornication. And But you you can't, like, I can't tell her, you you can't do this because God, like that doesn't, that argument doesn't fly because right, she doesn't yes, believe to- in God. She doesn't care about morality or anything like that. Like that. You have to find humanistic reasons. Exactly. Yeah, like this yeah. is why it hurts you as a human. Yep. And so, like, for example, contraception, I talked to her about all, I sent her these articles and she was fascinated, all the negative effects that it has, you know, on the on the female body in terms of, like, emotions, these fake hormones that they're putting into you, yeah. Um, yeah. problems in the future with fertility. So, you know, trying to enter into... Um, trying to enter in ways that she'll receive. I sent her a book, which I don't think she ever read for her birthday. It was on, it was Father Spitzer's on sort of um, happiness. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Figured, you <laughs> sure. know, well, maybe she'll be curious about this. You know, how do I, everyone wants to be happy, right? I mean. Yeah, but when it says father in the title of the author. <laughs> I know, that's why <laughs> no, that's she probably kind, didn't read Kind of a turnoff. Yeah, maybe it's by nice, like Chris It had a nice cover. Um, so, <laughs> that's right. yeah, I mean, that's. Uh, but I, that's the thing, you know, Aquinas says that communication is given according to the mode of the receiver. Mm-hmm. So we could have the best theological you know, treaties in the world, but the person has to be able to receive it. Exactly. And they have to be open. So Yeah. And um, and it's a hard truth, but Christ let people walk away. That yes. Uh I do think it's very important though. I make a morning offering every day for sort of the salvation of my soul, my family's souls, and my you know, just the whole world, right? And the release of the souls in purgatory. Yeah. So you have to believe that Christ uses all of these ordinary moments for the salvation of you know, our friends, our coworkers, all that stuff. I don't know how he's working it, but I'm praying every day. Well, that's the thing, because it is his grace, as we mentioned at the very beginning, right? It's not, sometimes it's not something that we've done or said. It's just simply a, a spark yep. that God does a work. And so prayer is the first and foremost thing. We pray for for all of our friends. We pray for the souls of poor sinners. We pray for uh, the whole world. Absolutely. Come to know Christ. So now that you've heard all of uh, where they're at... <laughs> Now we can go meet them where they're at, you know, to continue to lead people to the radical call of holiness, to that total transformation in Christ, 
being willing to go out there and make friends with people and find uh, some common ground where we can hopefully then lead not only by our example, but even by our words about how Christ has changed our life. And then hopefully they'll encounter God's grace and have their lives changed as well. You can find us again on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM or 103.9 FM, and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So tune in next time.